On today's episode of Check Your Balances, we welcome Dr. Michelle Fritsch to the show to talk about the link between health and wealth and her process for helping people make the most of the next chapter. Stick around. Check Your Balances is a show produced and owned by Craftwork Capital. The views expressed by the hosts and their guests are personal opinions and should not be considered personal financial advice or the opinion of Craftwork Capital. All investments have risk and may lose money. Consult with your financial advisor, tax preparer, or attorney prior to implementing anything discussed, and please do not use this show as the sole basis for financial decisions. Welcome back to Check Your Balances, everybody. I am Ross Anderson, joined as always by my colleague and friend Dan Maseko. We are financial planners hosting a show to try and make you smarter about your finances, to make you more informed about what's going on in the world of financial planning, personal finance business. Dan, what's going on today? Well, you and I were not so informed as to the status of our podcast. We discovered minutes ago this was our 20th episode, which I think is a big milestone. It is a big milestone. It's exciting. 20 episodes feels like uh, it feels like we're real podcasters now. Like it, it felt like a little bit of a hobby project originally, but but now it's starting to feel real. It does. And you rewarded yourself for being a real podcaster with a new purchase, I think. I did. I, I got, uh, first of all, I watch a bunch of silly podcasts on, on YouTube and end up watching all of these guys that do professional podcasts. And I decided that I needed one of the big moving boom arms that these guys use, which basically allows the microphone to float off of the desk, where right now, even though nobody can see us, I've got like a little tiny mic stand that sits right in the middle and makes it tough for me to reach my keyboard. So I'm upgrading my podcast rig, uh, and that'll probably come in sometime this week. So for next week's show, I will be on a brand new microphone stand, which nobody will notice and won't change the show at all. I am so thankful that people can't watch us do our podcast. Yeah, we, we've had several uh, folks, including um, the interview we're going to run as part of today's show. Uh, the way we record this is that we can see each other, but we only record the audio portion. And there's like a brief moment of panic where people go, oh, my gosh, am I on camera for this? And it's like, no, 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 no. This is an audio only show, at least for now. Uh, and and we do record it virtually, but we can see each other uh, while while we do it. I discovered this at the beginning of the pandemic when all meetings went to digital, basically. But my face is not conducive to to looking like I'm paying attention while things are happening virtually. It's uh, it's not good. Even though I'm definitely listening, I'm internalizing, but my eyes seem to wander, which can be distracting. Yeah, I and on the, the screen I'm on, the camera is kind of high at the top, and I, I'm on a, uh, it's like a 27-inch iMac that I that is my daily machine that I work from, and the camera's pretty high above like where my eyes normally sit, and so I think it makes me look disengaged even though I'm not. I'm I'm looking at the person, but it doesn't look like I'm making eye contact because it basically looks like I'm looking down the whole time. Right. Well, I'm happy to be here 20 episodes deep with you. May we have many, many more. And to celebrate our 20th episode, we have a pretty great interview that I think we've been talking about having someone on to discuss this very subject for a long time. And I'm I'm really grateful we found someone. Yeah, absolutely. So so really, our theme today is health and wealth. And uh, Dan, you and I have both been going through a little bit of our own uh, health journey. I, I joined a gym about five, six weeks ago, uh, and I have been excited to get back into a fitness regimen and um, really uh, work on myself. And that that's an area that I've been, uh, let's just call it disappointed in my effort, uh, probably for a period of years, not not just the, the most recent one, but uh, you've got some news there too. Yeah, actually, this interview inspired me to get a personal trainer. 
Uh, I've discovered that I can't motivate myself to do this. Uh, so I got someone to help, uh, you know, be accountable to. So I'm going to be starting that up this week. But really, you know, certainly there, there are lots of benefits of being in good physical shape. Uh, but thinking about the long-term effects on wealth was one of the big factors that led me to do this because it, it's true. Health can be a big money suck for you, both in retirement and before. And, and I don't think that's what people expect to be spending their hard-earned cash on. All right, so let's get into it. Now, so for our regular listeners, you know, our email address is checkyourbalances at outlook.com. It's also in the description of the episode. So if you've got questions for us, things you think we should be talking about, topics in the financial world that you're interested in, let us know. We want to make sure that our show stays as relevant as possible. Uh, But without any further ado, let's cut over to our interview with Dr. Michelle Fritsch. She is the author of Preventative Maintenance for a High Mileage Life. Let's take you to that right now. On today's episode of Check Your Balances, we welcome a fabulous guest, Dr. Michelle Fritsch, who is the author of Preventative Maintenance for a High Mileage Life, as well as a whole host of other things that we're going to talk about here in just a moment. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Oh, Ross, thank you for having me. So glad to be here. Absolutely. So uh, you really have a background, uh, if I understand correctly, as a pharmacist, correct? I do, as a, as a geriatric clinical pharmacist. Okay. How did you get from pharmacy school to retirement wellness? Because that, that doesn't seem like the closest link. What, what was that path like for you? It is not a typical path. And so I've always focused on people over 60. And I taught um, healthcare providers. I was a professor for many years. I guess I, I still am in a lot of ways. But I found this hole. I found a number of people that were around the time of retirement whose health suddenly declined. And as I got to know them, it was preventable. And so I had to leave that traditional practice and do what I could to address this. Was there a common theme for those folks on, on kind of what was going on and, you know, that, that was causing the declines for them in, in terms of their health? Or, or have, have you noticed a consistency there? Or was it more with just the age band uh, that, that people ten, tend to exhibit some, some symptoms in that range? You know, as I've looked into this, that's a fabulous question. And I think there's about four most common scenarios. And so one of them is is just generally people get so busy toward the end of their primary career that they don't take care of themselves. And so there were all sorts of warning signs that their health was declining, but they ignored it. And then after they had retired, it caught up with them. So that that's kind of the one you would expect, right? You know, they were gaining weight and not exercising and spending all their time at their desk and stress levels were high. And then suddenly their heart or their, their brain, you know, a stroke or a heart attack happened. But then one of them was um, relationships. People retire and then realize that their relationships aren't as solid as they thought, or the relationships that occupied all their time when they were working are not the relationships that are still there after retirement. And that can lead to a really dark depression. So that was one. Um, One was, I, I think one of the biggest ones is people that just lose themselves So I have been the ex, you know, whatever their title was, the CEO of the company or the manager of such and such, and they retire and they're not that anymore. 
and they suddenly lose that sense of relevance. And I think that was probably the biggest one that if somebody hasn't kind of figured out who and what they're going to be in that next phase, it impacts them on many levels and health declines. Yeah, I, I uh, not necessarily directly from the health side, but just in terms of a happiness and retirement uh, metric, we've seen that as well. And we actually did a, a show a few weeks back, really about what are you excited to do in retirement? Uh, and and that just, just on the concept that if you're not retiring to something, if all you're trying to do is get away from this job or get away from this career, and that you don't have something that you're excited to go do, it's Monday morning, it's 9am, you're fired up about it, no matter what that is, that, that that's going to lead to some, some pretty difficult outcomes, because it, it might mean that you're not connected well enough with that next chapter so far. Very much so, which I hope we're going to get into a lot in a bit, because I think you've hit on the linchpin, the most important thing. But the other, um, I told you that there were four common scenarios and I forgot to mention the fourth. And that one is when we're still in our career, our brains are typically really active. You know, we're being given problems to solve and issues come up and and some people kind of turn all of that off when they retire, you know, binge Netflix or, or whatever. And it almost feels like they're having cognitive decline because they're not using their brains. So that I would say that that's the fourth common scenario. Yeah. It really is a muscle, right? Yeah. And it's not, it's not that they're, you know, suddenly have dementia or anything, but they feel like it and it causes them to seek healthcare. Cause they're like, Oh my gosh, my memory has completely gone. Well, it's not, but you're just not using, like you say, not using that muscle right now. Yeah, absolutely. So, so as financial planners, we talk a lot about preparing people for the cost of what healthcare could be, and and that might be just simply the cost of their day to day care. It could be the cost of long term care and things that that really need prolonged and, and more advanced uh, practice. But uh, you kind of are in the, in the camp that health and wealth are very related here. H- how do you see those being connected? Oh, I think that they're tremendously connected because. It's kind of miserable to have one without the other, you know, to have lots of money stored up, but you are bed bound and not able to go out and do any of the things you plan to do, or you've got lots of ideas, but you haven't accumulated any funds to fund those. So either way, I think you don't get that outcome that you're looking for if you don't have those parallel. So uh, you, you mentioned that your path is not a particularly common one to go from the pharmacy side to focusing on the, the types of people that you do and, 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 and kind of this retirement wellness segment. Is this considered an alternative for you to, to kind of the traditional medical path? How, how do you view your practice relative to, to what other folks are doing? You know, especially the board certification I have in in geriatrics, there's not a lot of us in the country that that have that. And almost everyone with that is on the other end, if you will, of that geriatric or aging spectrum. And so they're in the nursing homes. They are in the assisted living facilities, which is really important. But I want to be before that. I want to keep people out of those nursing homes and out of those assisted livings. You don't find specialists in the changes that occur at that segment of life around age, you know, between like 55 and 75 very often. And so I feel like I'm filling a hole that's that's a gaping hole that 
hardly anyone, whether you're talking physicians, nurses, PAs, pharmacists, is really focused in this important area. Good, good for you. And I mean, simply looking at the demographic information in our country, that's got to be it's got to be a growing field, right? There, there's just no way that that's not true as we have you know, essentially the largest generation ever that is approaching and entering retirement age right now. And, and uh, yeah, it, it's just going to be clear. Over 10,000 turning 65 a day or something like that. Yeah, exactly. I, I, I hear that statistic and I, I have trouble committing it to memory, but yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot of people. Um, okay. So, so in, in your process, you're catching people, you're trying to improve their lifestyle is really what it sounds like to me and, and make sure that they're living a more fulfilling retirement. What are some of the keys for you? What are you helping people to do to kind of make that transition uh, or, or to, to keep themselves kind of above the, the health level that's going to let them enjoy that lifestyle? Yeah, it's a great question. So I work with a process where we dive into what I find are the four key areas and I call it MASH. So M is the meaningful knowing what is your purpose and that next segment of life. Um, and it may be more than one, but it's very often remarkably different than what was your purpose in your primary career. So that that's fine. One is active and there's three kinds of active. There's staying physically active because we know that's very directly related to our health, but mentally active, kind of like I mentioned earlier, if you just shut your brain down and don't really use it, then you're going to decline. And then socially active because the relationships when you're in your workplace are typically quite different than the relationships that are going to be most meaningful in your retirement years. So that's active. Sustained is my word for prevention. And that's where in each of those scenarios where I've seen people in the hospital or in the clinic who've declined, there's a lot we could have done. So really diving deep into all their particular risk factors. Our healthcare system today, one, it's going through big transitions. So I would call it kind of broken. But once something bad happens, our healthcare system kind of dives in to help that scenario. But we're doing very little to prevent those things from happening. So I feel like that's probably one of the most important elements of what I do is identify those risks, um, really quantify and clarify those and share those with the healthcare team with specific steps to minimize those. And then the other one, my H is health, which is what I do. But I find, think about how many um, decisions we make personally about our health, including from the pharmacy side, all the supplements and vitamins and cannabis and things, you know, that we can choose to incorporate into our health plan that we usually don't necessarily tell our doctor about. And so you've got healthcare providers making decisions without the full picture or what's in their records is an old version of what you actually do day to day. And so I, the other big part of what I do is clarify that picture. What exactly is happening in that person's health and then make sure the healthcare team is aware of that. So all decisions are made with accurate data. Yeah, that, that certainly sounds like meaningful work. And uh, this may be a little bit of an aside, but you mentioned the, so, the social aspect and, um, and, and that as we leave our working years, uh, we might lose a big network that, that we have socially. Have you noticed a connection for people that, that relocate in retirement and maybe are finding 
other pools of individuals that are reestablishing those connections for the first time versus people that stay in their existing area? Two things come to mind when you ask that. I can think of examples where people kind of go back to even their high school and their college friends. If they stay in the same area and their friends are still in that area and those relationships get like new life breathed into them. I've, I've had, I've had executives cry, actually cry when we go through one of our exercises, which is outlining what are those relationships that are filling up your days right now? You know, those people that are calling as soon as you get in the office, they're lined up to talk to you. They want to go to lunch with you. They want to go out with you after work. How many of those relationships are going to carry over into retirement? And typically 90% of those aren't. So even though they're so consuming while you're working, that hive of activity continues after you leave but you're just not part of it anymore. So to stay connected with those people is going to take a different sort of effort. And then you talked about people moving. Well, then you've really separated from high school friends, college friends, work friends. And at that point, we do some planning of what are your interests? You you mentioned this earlier, things that you want to be engaged in in retirement and using those as the ways to meet new people and have an entirely new circle of friends and, and relationships. Yeah, that's really interesting. And, and uh, you know, Dan and I have recently gone through a transition that feels very similar, which is that we, we left a, a much larger company. We kind of branched out on our own. We launched this firm together and we still have lots of friends and, and uh, do stay in touch with a lot of the people we used to work with. But it's definitely not the same, right? That day-to-day contact and and just knowing that that buzz of energy that that kind of followed us around for you know more than six years in our case that we're no longer part of it, and it now feels like kind of being on the outside looking in and and going, oh yeah, that was fun and having fond memories. But it, it's not the same as when you're when you're right in the middle of it. That's a very big transition you all just went through. Absolutely. Yeah. So and 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 I mean, for what it's worth, we're excited about what we're building and what we're doing, and so. We were excited. We weren't trying to get away from a job that we didn't like. We were excited to build what we're what we're doing. So um, I, I think that's it's been a happy transition for us. But definitely, it's been a very real take for me on going through something that I've watched clients go through over many years, but but just hadn't really experienced in the same way myself. Right. As planners, as as we're kind of helping people look at the financial side of this, what can we be doing? that also helps people incorporate some of the health aspects and some of the things that, that you're working on. How can we incorporate that to help people live more fulfilling retirement? Again, a few things come to mind. And one of them is helping that person um, identify where those risks lie and being able to better quantify those so that you can, can better figure out now, we will never know for sure, like for how long somebody will live and, and what their health patterns will look like for certain, but there's a lot more we can do to at least have most of that picture figured out. And I think in a lot of ways, we just kind of take it by chance, let it happen and we write it out. So I think there's a lot of ways to be more proactive 
with people and their health. Another one that I've seen greatly impact finance that's related to health, it goes back to relationships, actually. There's a, a very sharply rising rate of divorce in people in that age span. And I think a piece of that, it, from what I've seen with clients, is you know when we're newly married or planning a wedding, we talk about the future. And then we start having kids and, and jobs and life gets busy, 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 busy. And we just assume we're on the same page and then get to retirement and realize maybe we haven't talked about that in a while and we've got very different ideas. And so encouraging clients to really be talking to one another if they're married or in a, you know, a, a mutual relationship to, to make sure that they're planning similar things so that they don't get there and realize they don't want to be together any longer because that obviously has big financial implications. Yeah, absolutely. And, and happiness implications. Oh, and yes. uh, yeah, I mean, a little bit tongue in cheek, but, but we've kind of heard stories of, of folks where they go, listen, our relationship was based on you being out of the house for 40, 50, 60 hours a week. And when you're in the house for those 60 hours a week, instead, the dynamic is very different, right? People that might've been used to a certain level of freedom and feeling like their day was their own. Now, just don't feel the same way and and you know and anything from feeling crowded to boredom setting in right there there's so many things that could come from that if again if you haven't prepared for for how you're going to spend your time a healthcare executive i was talking to that's actually what happened he he went home and said i've decided i'm retiring on x date and his wife looked at him and said you're not going to be in this house wow yeah that's a that's a that's a tough time to learn that that it's it's not working but um, yeah. but yeah, cer certainly something that, and, and I hope, you know, our show and the work that you're doing and is, is helping people just be aware of some of this stuff so that they can get a little bit in front of it and, and maybe not be, be caught by surprise. Exactly. And I mentioned early on those people that I saw that had those unexpected declines. When we got to know their story, we often didn't have to be very far in front of that event. You know, it could have been hours or weeks or months. It's it's not necessarily something that you need to catch it years and years ahead of time. So so for somebody that's listening to this and, and either feels a little bit of concern because maybe they're looking at their own retirement picture and going, oh, maybe I haven't planned for some of these things. What what are some concrete steps that you'd encourage people to take as as the first baby steps in this process? What can people be doing? Well, I would recommend... One, since we've been talking about relationships, really take stock of your relationships and the ones that are most important to you, let them know that, you know, and, and really open dialogue with those people. The other one is before you retire is the time to do this because usually our best health insurance is the one we have just prior to retirement. So work with your doctors to make sure, think about all the major parts of your body that before you retire, you get a good solid baseline assessment. So do, do a mental health and a, and a cognitive uh, assessment. Make sure you know kind of where your thinking and memory levels are so that if you see changes later, you can compare. Same with your eyes and your heart and your lungs and your kidneys and your liver. You want to do, and, and the doctor will know, if you say, I want all the baseline information, they'll know to order that. But your doctor doesn't always know that you're getting close to retirement. 
and they probably need a year or two to, you know, for insurance purposes and just for planning purposes to get all of those key tests ordered, done, and evaluated. So if you're a couple years before retirement, just tell your primary doctor, I want to do this so they can get the ball rolling to make sure you get all those baseline. Because again, as things change, it's hard to measure that if we don't know where we were before the change started. I think that's fabulous advice. Well, Michelle, I think this is really interesting. I I hope that we can do more episodes and have you back because I I think this is such a critical piece of wellness, right? And, and, And that's really what we're in the business of. Financial planning is is an enabler of a good lifestyle. Yes. Um, it, it is not ultimately about just building the biggest bank account. And, and so I, I think you're you're very much on the same, same wavelength uh, as, as us with that. For people that would like to reach out to Michelle or check out her book, uh, it's retirewellness.com is your website. Anywhere else that people should be looking for you and finding you? Um, they are welcome to email me at michelle with two L's at retirewellness.com. We'll, we'll put that in the description for the show as well so that uh, if people want to reach out to you directly, that they can. Super. And I will, I will give you, Ross, a link to my calendar. If they ever wanted to just schedule a visit, we could do that as well. Oh, fabulous. Uh, Michelle, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was great, and we look forward to having you back. Thanks so much. I would love to come back. Once again, we wanted to thank Dr. Fritch for appearing on the show. She was fantastic, clearly inspired both of us both because we wanted to talk about this today. And Dan, you went right out and joined a a gym or got some personal training sessions. So uh, already having a positive impact, even if it's just for us as the hosts. Yeah, for the record, I've been a member of a gym for a long time. Now, if I've been using that effectively, that's another that's another issue. But I'm glad I got some help. I'm excited to get started. And um, if you have any great wellness and health journeys to share with us, we'd love to hear about it. I think a big part of uh, of getting started and getting healthy is, is sharing your story with others to inspire them. Absolutely. Uh, so again, yeah, if you want to share that with us, check your balances at outlook.com is the email address for the show. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. We will see you next week. <laughs>